Welcome, welcome, welcome to Make It Sacred Podcast. I am your host, Courtney Barr, and in this podcast, we are going to discuss all of the sacredness that life holds. (laughs) Yes, all of it. The challenges, the celebrations, and my favorite, the weirdness and the unordinary and how all of these unique aspects of life can help deepen our own self-awareness, self-discovery, self-acceptance, and self-love. I'm here and I am inviting you to get weird and messy with me. I am so excited we're going to be on this journey together. Here we go. Hi guys. So we have kind of a interesting podcast episode today. We're doing a little bit of a mashup collaboration. I'm doing this with my amazing friend who um, is going to introduce herself in a second, but um, my name is Anna. I am the host of Human Becoming Podcast, and um, I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) That's my intro. I don't know. You, I feel like you just became the queen of awkward intros and I will always be the queen of awkward outros. Okay. I can't figure out how to say goodbye. So yeah. I feel you. I'm here with you. <laughs> I, I'm Courtney Barr and I am the host of Make It Sacred Podcast and I am here for all of the weirdness and the awkwardness and the laughs that we're going to have today. Pretty excited about it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, um, I totally feel you on the goodbyes. Like most of my podcast episodes are like, Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, nice, nice talking to you. See you later. Yeah, exactly. When you're just like talking to your computer. You're like, okay, bye. Okay, see you later. This is yeah. yeah, every time. I just end up putting my outro music like over my awkward goodbye, and it just kind of softens it a little bit in my head. <laughs> 100% that's how my um my friend who edits my podcast does the same thing I like used to be like why does he start playing the music like early and then I'm like oh it's because I'm awkward yes <laughs> this is why we're friends yeah <laughs> so speaking of us being friends um we want to talk about a pretty heavy topic today and I'm really excited and we were both saying we're we're excited we're nervous it's it's a really big topic and we're going to try to do it justice um, today. As best <laughs> um, we can. <laughs> and yeah, so we want to talk about the sisterhood wound today. And uh, I already have like full goosebumps because my body's like ready to talk about this. And we did a podcast episode last year where we did like part one, part two, but we covered so many different topics. And I feel like the sisterhood wound came in, but it wasn't as it wasn't a huge part of the conversation, I feel like, and that kind of makes sense because there was a lot that we were both still working through um, in regards to really looking at how we've contributed to the system. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we were both still kind of processing everything. And then, I mean, in my case, I feel like there was a lot more that I needed to experience before I was able to speak to it. And so, yeah, we, we briefly touched on it and it was something that um, just hadn't fully been birthed yet. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> as far as, yeah, being ready to have a meaningful and insightful discussion about it in retrospect, rather than being in it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel, um, for me personally, I was very much like in the depths of a lot of the wounds when we recorded that podcast and I was, it was really 
coming into my awareness of like what it was that I was feeling, like what it was that I was experiencing, what I was starting to kind of like untangle within myself and within like just everything. Um, and so, yeah, like I can see now how back then it was like, I could talk about it, but from, it was, I was kind of talking about it from a place of not fully being integrated at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. You were talking from the wound and not the scar. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, for anybody who doesn't know what the sisterhood wound is and like what that is, you know, what we're referring to, um, I think it could be helpful for us to kind of describe at least in our own ways. I'm sure there's a lot of different ways that this can be described. Um, but kind of what, what it means to us and what that has looked like for us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, like you said, it manifests in different ways for different people. So a lot of times when I talk to women about this, it comes up a lot as distrust of other women, not being able to have deep connections with other women, um, not feeling like they belong or feeling like they want to be friends with guys. And for me, it was a lot more about um, the lies and the secrecy and not standing up for uh, women and rather being in competition with them rather than, rather than anything else. I never felt like I had a hard time befriending women, but I wasn't a good friend to them in a lot of cases, not always, but that definitely played, definitely played a big part in my story for sure. Yeah, I um I love the way that you that you described it and yeah, for me personally, it's um it looked like a lot of competition. It looked like a lot of um also not standing up for women. It also and by standing up it means, you know, for me in my experiences it was, you know, hearing somebody call them names or shame them um in in ways that I don't think anyone deserves <laughs> um man or woman you know this isn't this this is we're just speaking to the sisterhood wound because there's definitely the the brotherhood wound as well um but we're not men so we can't speak to that <laughs> in the same way yep. <laughs> um, but, not our conversation to have yeah a hundred percent but you know hearing um hearing women being called sluts whores uh you know just like the slut shaming um again the competition and for me and this one makes my like skin crawl. Um, and I know this is a, this is something that we'll probably dive into, but also, um, being quote unquote, the other woman in situations, not necessarily full blown, um, like necessarily affairs, but having men in my life who were in partnerships with other women who were inappropriate with me and never saying anything, never telling the other woman, um, never uh, pushing for accountability or being like, hey, sis, like, I know this is hard to hear, but this is, you know, what is happening. Um, always kind of like kind of scootering around those kinds of situations. Um, and then, you know, on the other side too, like also being on the receiving end of that, also being cheated on and having women close to me uh, participate in that or be aware of that or, you know what I mean? So this, this goes, there's so many different ways that this manifests. And I think- we Yeah, you just, you nailed so many things that I didn't even talk about that are absolutely relevant for me as well, for sure. 
Yeah. And it's, and it's really challenging to talk about because I think that many of us carry a lot of, a lot of shame around it. And also a, a, a lack of understanding why things are this way. And like, what it's just kind of like, it is what it is almost. And I feel like there's this collective kind of, it is what it is. Uh, complacency. Mm -hmm. I want to go back to what you said a second ago, because I feel like that played a huge role in my life when you said, uh, I don't remember the exact verbiage you used, but like the shame around it. Mm -hmm. And I was the legit other woman side chick affair for many men in my life. And I knew it. And in some cases, I was actually friends with the other woman. And that led to a degree of self-hatred and self-loathing that was really difficult for me to get out from underneath of. Um, And for me, it was the constant reminder that I can choose to be a different person than I was 15 seconds ago, 15 minutes ago, one week ago, six months ago. And the, cause a lot of times in the case, in my case, other people knew about it. So it wasn't like a total secret. And so there was this, um, this, uh, oppression of other people's opinions weighing on my shoulders. Like it wasn't, I wasn't allowed to be a good person because I had made this decision. And these weren't like, I'm, I'm going to be fully honest. These weren't like little, like flings like these were like year-long relationships and so um yeah it took a lot of work and deciding who I wanted in my life who I didn't want in my life um if there was definitely the feeling of like am I a fraud for trying to be a good person right now because I've made these decisions and um I just wanted to talk about that because I'm at a place now where I I know that I make good decisions and I can look back and see what happened and not judge myself for it, but have these difficult conversations to, like what you said before we started recording, make amends for my actions and help other women work through this sisterhood wound so that we know we are all together and that we're not doing this alone and we all have made mistakes, whether it's being the other woman, whether it's talking shit on another woman, whether it's not speaking up for someone when you see something happening or hear something happening, like we've all been complicit in this wound in some way, some form. And so um, I just wanted to talk about that because I feel like that's a really big thing that I hear from other women is, um, or see at least, or feel energetically is like, I don't deserve to be treated like a good person. I don't deserve, I deserve the shame. I deserve the self-hatred because of these mistakes that I made. And it's like, no, no, you don't. Like you can choose to be a different person. And if anybody else has uh, their opinion about that, then that's fine. Um, You got to live your life for you and you have to make decisions that feel right for you. And those can be really, really hard and difficult, but in the long run uh, is the only way to, to be able to live with yourself in a capacity of self-love and, and acceptance. Yeah. Well, you already know how much I love you, but I'm going to tell you again. Um, <laughs> I, I am in constant awe of you and, and um, it's not easy to say 
any of what you just said. It's not easy to say like this, these are decisions I've made. And, um, and I really, I really honor you for being willing to have this conversation um, and not from a place of like, oh, we know that this is happening. It's, it's, and this is, this was our, our, both of our intentions coming into this conversation of like, we are here to say that we haven't been good sisters and we haven't been um, the kind of women that we want to be. And it makes my eyes water. (laughs) Mine too. Yeah, Mine too. You know, I, um, so I, I love you and I honor you. And I know that for, for any healing process to start, let alone like happen and like, (laughs) um, we do have to be radically honest with ourselves and each other. And this conversation is very, very challenging. And, um, you know, I, I, I have, like I said, you know, I have been in those situations where I'm like, you are like, I am, I am allowing behavior from someone knowing and, and being, uh, close to, or, you know, again, or knowing this other woman. And Mm -hmm. I really, what I really had to sit with myself, you know, in the beginning was, you know, if I wasn't getting something from that, then, you know, would my actions have been different? Was that situation serving some part of me? whether unhealthy, not healthy, wrong, right, whatever, like, was there a part of me that was, you know, um, getting something from the situations that I was in, you know, when I didn't stick up for women, when I would hear something, you know, what was I attached to that caused me not to stand up for them? Was it because I didn't want to be categorized in the same box? Did I not want to be, you know, and, and this, of course, this conversation is going to come up with us, but you know, the, the, the sisterhood wound goes back so far. And to me, like one of the original sisterhood wounds, and I've said this, uh, in other podcasts and other content and stuff, I've always said that the original, one of the original sisterhood wounds comes from the witch hunts and the witch trials and where, you know, women were pointing at other women instead of standing up. And, and of course back then is different because it's about survival, but really like when we look at things now, it also serves purposes, right? Like, you know, not wanting to be, you know, if I stand up for this woman that they're slut shaming, are you going to then think that I'm a slut too? And then am I going to be, you know, judged and shamed and persecuted in some way, you know, the way that you are shaming them? Um, Do I want to be lumped in or do I want to have a sense of belonging? And I, I don't know if you saw the story that I posted the other day, but, um, when I was talking, well, yeah, you did. When I was talking about that, I feel like there is definitely a big part of that that's that's in our DNA, that's in our past life remembering about these experiences. And it does come back to this sense of survival. Mm-hmm. And then like Michael Groves was saying, like that's that's in everybody, you know, if we don't feel like we can speak to our authenticity and, and our passions um, and our convictions, if we feel like we're gonna be ostracized for that, we will, we will totally betray and abandon ourselves before we uh, risk getting rejected by society and humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's just part of our reptilian brain is part of the limbic system. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's so deep in our, in our 
lineages in so many ways because you know like back you know way back when you you know you didn't you didn't get to like worry about what your higher self wanted <laughs> you needed right. to, you know what I mean like you needed to you needed to do what you needed to do to survive you needed to do what you needed to do to make sure that your family survived and it was very much a feast or famine scarcity life <laughs> I was in my head I was like it's a pirate life for me it's a scarcity life <laughs> um, you know like that's what I that's what my brain just did but um totally you know and so there there's a lot of different components to this but I think like one of the bigger things that's important to look at now is that we have the ability to step back and to evaluate what has become normal and what has not even just what has become normal what is quote unquote normal what's considered the norm um and we can do better and also like what is driving us mm-hmm. you know who's driving the bus right now is it my higher self is it my conscious awareness or is this unconscious subconscious patterns mm-hmm. behaviors cycles are they mine? Are they my parents? Are they, you know, where are they coming from? And yeah, we have the ability, like you said, to sit back and start to question those things and recognize what is driving our actions. And if that is in alignment with who we are and who we want to be, and how can we, you know, redirect the navigation? (laughs) Are we moving in the direction of where we want to go? If not, then turn the wheel, go in another direction. It's not like you're on a track. You get to make the rules. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a important thing, like you said, to, to ask yourself, like, what, what is driving the car? You know, is, is it, am I consciously making these decisions? Am I, you know, and I know for me, and this doesn't, this is not to take any accountability or any kind of anything away from, the decisions I've made and, and anything like that. I'm fully responsible for myself and the decisions I've made. I, I, for me, I take full emotional <laughs> responsibility um, and just full responsibility period of, of myself and my decisions. And with that said, I also know that a lot of these decisions I made from a very unconscious place, from a place of not having a strong sense of self, from, you know, being insecure, from being wounded, from, you know, a place with a lot, a lot, a lot of really unresolved and unhealed things within myself that impacted the way that I saw myself, the way that I saw the world, the way that I saw other people, the way that I saw other women. Um, You know, when I was, when I didn't like who I was, when I looked in the mirror, you know, there's a, there is a sense of something kicks in that you, you got to do, you end up, it's almost like the survival in a way, but it's like, you got to do something to make yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those decisions to make yourself feel better when you're operating from wound end up wounding other people or contributing more to the wounds within yourself and the wounds outside of yourself, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And what the, the verbiage that's coming up for me is that we're seeking validation from things outside of ourselves. And um, I think that we are 
the daughters of generations that needed men in order to survive. You know, like our grandmothers were. <laughs> yeah. You good? Yeah, no, that one just like. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I got that really clearly while you were speaking is like, um, that's, that's who we were learning from. That's who our mothers learned from was like, we, you need to get a man's attention in order to make a life for yourself, own property, do, you know, have money, own anything like, and so I feel like we're like our parents, like our mothers were like that middle generation of like, okay, well, that's like, that, that's not actually true anymore, but they were only one generation removed from that. Mm-hmm. And now we're here, second generation removed going, wait a second. We don't need that. We don't need to do that anymore. We don't need to be in competition with each other anymore to win a man's affection or um, put down other women so that we feel we look superior to them in the eyes of people that can help us not be dependent on our families for the rest of our lives or you know like we don't want to be burdens and I feel like oh that one yeah that one got me just now yeah my eyes are watering yes and so that was the that was the feeling for our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers is don't be a burden do whatever it takes to find you a man and be at the top and if I have to step on other women and do that I will and and then going back to what you were saying about the, what I was hearing was like the need of instant gratification in order to feel better about yourself. And that can, I mean, anytime we're seeking instant gratification, we're going to make unhealthy choices. We're going to choose addiction in one way, shape or form, whether it's a substance or a person. Um, and yeah, and, and that, that is what these wounds and acting on them start to you know, create the cycle of wounding addiction, wounding addiction. Yeah. A hundred percent. It just, it turns into a very vicious cycle. And the more that you give into that cycle, the more in like the more, um, difficult it becomes to break those, those habits. Because you oh yeah. You start to program your brain that like, you know, this thought or this feeling equals like the solution is just to like fix it really quick and you get so addicted and so attached to that instant gratification that instant outcome and I will be fully honest like that is a really hard thing to let go of that was a really hard thing for me to let go of when it came to codependency when it came to serial dating when it came to um not seeking out the attention of someone who I should not be seeking attention from, um, whether that was like an unhealthy relationship, whether that was, you know, someone who was in other relations, right. You know what I mean? Like my brain would justify, um, you know, whether or not I thought it was a right or wrong decision in those moments when I was really feeling that like, I need to fix this, this urgency, I need to not feel this way, you do end up, you know, addiction is self-serving. This is why people, you know, who have struggle with addictions will steal from the people that they love the most because like they're so unbelievably attached and addicted to whatever it is, whatever their fix is. And 
I'm not someone who I'm not here to shame or label myself, you or anyone else as a good person or a bad person, because human beings are not that fucking simple. <laughs> like <laughs> we are, we are so complex. Fallible, yeah. And we are here to, I believe, to make decisions that make us grow. And we have to tap into the light and the dark aspects of ourselves in order to to grow and to evolve or to ascend, whatever word you want to put in there, um, to mature, right? Like even if you don't believe in this being a spiritual thing, right? Um, but something that I also really believe to be true is that uh, we're so afraid of these dark aspects of ourselves, but we have them, we all have them, whether it's jealousy, whether it's pride, whether it's rage, whether it's, you know, addiction, whether it's, you know, any of those things. And we've also had other lifetimes of these things. And in some lifetimes, we're going to have more light than dark. In other lifetimes, we're going to have more dark than light. And the same for this lifetime, I feel like it's, it's the, the current lifetime that you're in, that I think applies. And you're constantly like ebbing and flowing. You're constantly going back in between these light and these dark aspects of, of self. And that's so purposeful and it's so beautiful. It's also a royal pain in the ass. <laughs> you know, it's really challenging because it stretches you. Um, and I really believe that this is like I to me like this is like the point of life <laughs> yeah I agree and I have there's so much stuff that I wanted to touch on the first one was that a lot of times when we're in the midst of these actions and we want that that hit of whatever it is whether it's a person a relationship a substance like we don't think we deserve any better than what we're choosing too. I think that plays a really big part in it because we, I know for me, I'll say, I'll speak to myself. I was choosing people that I knew weren't the best. I was choosing emotionally unavailable men and experiences because I didn't think I deserved any better and I didn't want any better. And if I, if I got any better, it would be total cognitive dissonance based on how I was feeling about myself. Um, so that was, I think, a really interesting and important part. And then, oh my God, my favorite topic in the entire world, shadow work. Um, yes, exactly. Shadow work. We need to create a shadow work dance because yeah. this is my jam. Yeah, you can <laughs> yes, but we're dancing. <laughs> we're dancing because this is my favorite thing. And this was, this was the key to freedom for me mm-hmm. because it's not, like you said, it's not about being a good person. That doesn't exist in life. We can have good moments and we can make good decisions, but we are just a person. We are just a human and we are all of the things and we can be all of the things simultaneously. I can be a woman that, you know, had a relationship with her friend's boyfriend. And I can also be a woman that's a healer and supports my sisters today. I can be that woman. I can be both of those women. And you have to, you have to, whatever your journey is, right? Cause like not everybody's is going to look exactly like ours, but like you have to be all of the things to be whole. Like you, you, 
And I feel like so much of the, the separation of self and so much suffering, and this is just my opinion, but so much suffering comes from us not accepting all the different, all the different aspects of, of who we are, the different versions of ourselves that we've been. Um, and I love that you said I have like full goosebumps because, and it makes me st- like still emotional because I feel like it's a, it's a never ending process of integrating, right? Like I am, you know, I am the woman who has talked about my friends behind their backs. I have been the one, I have been the the friend that has competed with my friends. I have been, um, I have been the friend who maybe said something, uh, unkind or unbecoming of a friend to somebody who we both were interested in, a man that we were both interested in. I have been the friend who um, flirted with somebody else's boyfriend and like put, like inserted myself in a way to prove something to myself. And I don't feel shame about those things anymore because I needed to see those aspects of myself. And I feel like those aspects are inner child wounding. So if you can see them for what they actually are, which is a small child inside of you seeking validation, seeking love, seeking to be seen, seeking to have connection, um, seeking to feel important, that that's what these actions are. That's all they are. And when you can see them for what they are, there is no shame. How can you shame a child for throwing a tantrum because they're scared? You can't. You want to love and comfort them. And so, yeah, like it doesn't mean that it's an appropriate action and we have to teach them that, but that's what inner child work is. Yeah. Teaching our children, teaching the children that live inside of us that have wounds that it's not appropriate to act this way, but talk to me, you know, let me understand, like try and understand where this is coming from so that it doesn't have to happen again in the future. And like, what is it that I'm in need of actually in need of so that I'm not trying to get it in all these other ways that are dysfunctional and unhealthy and wounding. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's just like being able to say like, I can be the person that has, I can be the woman that has made those decisions and I can still be a mentor who works with women today. And Mm. I think that, you know, it, it, again, I have to, for me, I have, I had to be every version of myself that I have been. I had to be the, yeah, the, the woman that didn't make great decisions and the woman that did hurt other women, the women the one woman that was hurt by other women, right? Because on the mm. side, on the flip side, I've also had friends walk away from friendships and straight up tell me that um, that they can't be my. Especially when I started to really like break out of my shell and shine my light and create my platform and share my story, I've had a handful. I want to say more than five, but I'll say five just because those are the five that are like come to mind immediately. Um, that have told me that they can't be my friend because I trigger them. Or, um, you know, I've had friends, I've, I've been cheated on with friends. 
so many times. <laughs> I've been cheated on by, by guys that hooked up with my friends. I have had friends walk around my house, like come stay with me um, and a partner that I'm living with and walk, come out in their underwear. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I have received, and we can call it karma. We can call it whatever we want. But the point is, is like, I've been on, the, I've been on both ends of that. And so what being on both ends of this does is contribute. It puts more and more salt into a wound. And at some point you either continue to operate from that wound and continue to like uh, make decisions from that, or you continue to look at it for like what you said, um, you know, look at it for what it is for that, that inner child for the programming from, you know, I learned this from my mother and my grandmother. I learned this from, you know, pretty much every movie ever, you know, <laughs> for real, you know, there's and, and pretty much every movie you can see women pinned against each other. You can see, you can see that thing. So, you know, it's not just a, like Anna and Courtney, like, Hey, we're calling out something that we just think exists. Like, no, like this is here. And when women really sit and talk about it, it is, it is really hard, you know? And it's like, I never, whenever I come onto my platforms and I speak to something really vulnerable, I never think like, what if I get some like hate mail from some dude? It's always, what are other women going to say or think? What are they mm -hmm. going, you know, what kind of judgy mean comments am I going to get, right? What, what label are they going to throw at me? You know, I've had somebody throw out like, which, which like, we'll we'll get into that. <laughs> it's my favorite but like you know I've I've like I've experienced that too right and so it's like again for me I never worry like you know if I go on my my Instagram and I do a story and I don't have like makeup on or I just feel like you know whatever I'm just like all natural like I never think like oh what are what is a guy gonna think I always think like is some girl going to say something? Or not that I always think that, but when I do think that, it's about women. Let me mm -hmm. phrase that. Um, anytime I've ever been like, oh, I wonder if this is gonna um, this is gonna get some kind of weird backlash, I always envision it being a woman having something to say. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't stop thinking about uh what just happened so I feel like this is my time to share the, the story is that okay with you yeah of course okay <clears throat> so um I honestly didn't even like prepare how much I'm going to share of this but I feel like it's just so important because obviously we've talked about it um so we're talking about breaking patterns breaking cycles and I feel like a very long time ago, um, how old am I? 34. So probably like, probably close to 10 years ago, maybe I had a couple of relapses, <laughs> broke the cycle of um, at least seeking out the emotionally unavailable, you know, men and and deciding that I didn't want to be the other woman anymore. Um, and that, that was, I want to say like when I was really at the darkest of dark places for myself, because there, I just felt so terrible about it. Um, 
And so I made that decision. Again, I think there were a couple of times where it was like here and there, I didn't quite live in integrity the way that I should have. But for the most part, I made, you know, good decisions. But my pattern was that even though maybe I was making good decisions, if I was seeing other people not making good decisions, I wouldn't hold them accountable for it. I wouldn't speak up. I wouldn't, um, yeah, I was afraid of, it wasn't so much judgment of them, but just confrontation in general, because I knew that it was going to incite big emotions in people. And that even if they weren't necessarily directed at me, I would have to uh, be in the vicinity of them. And as somebody who's really sensitive to energy, that's always been my MO is just avoid, 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 total avoidance. If I can, if it's possible. And so, um, yeah, uh, in this case, I found out that a man that I'd been seeing off and on, I mean, mostly on, but off and on for like seven months had a live in girlfriend with a baby. And I knew that they might still possibly have a relationship, but I didn't have any like concrete proof of it. Um, and so that was the off portion while I kind of processed that. And then it, we were back on again and he refused to talk about it, refused all conversations I tried to bring up about it. And um, inevitably I did find out that they were living together and they were still together and um, they were, they had this family. And when I found out, a lot of my friends were saying, you know, you have to tell her, you have to tell her. And that, that honestly didn't even cross my mind if I'm being honest with you when I found out. Um, maybe for like a blink of an eye, but in my mind, I was like, this woman just had a baby. I would be essentially like ruining her life if I told her that this was happening right now. Like I can't even imagine that. And so I had to sit with it for a little while and make sure I was making the decision from my own place of power rather than from other people's like pushes towards that. Because if I didn't do it with my own authority, then it wouldn't have been the same for me as far as breaking patterns goes. And so I sat with it and I thought about it and, um, I told him that I knew. And as soon as he, as soon as I did that, I, he blocked me, didn't respond. That was, um, that was that. And so, um, I want to say like four or five days after I found out I went to go lay down between patients because I was super tired and spirit was like, oh, hell no, it's time. And I'm like, oh shit, no, what? So there was never this moment of like, yes, this is what I need to do. And this, I know this is the right decision and I feel it in my bones and I'm ready for it. Like, I want to emphasize here that never in this situation did that happen. It was just this deep innate knowing, despite the level of discomfort and fear that I had around it, that I needed to speak up and I needed to tell her the truth. And how she received that and how he responded to that was not my business, was not my problem. 
how, and like you've spoken to this before, which I absolutely loved um, when you were going through everything with Indy and you needed to call the vet and explain to them what happened. And you kind of had this moment of going back and forth with yourself of like, oh, do, do I want to be that woman? Do I want to complain? And you were like, well, inevitably how they receive my reaction, my, my expression of how I'm feeling is not my responsibility. And I've literally held on to that because that is such a huge part of what drives me in speaking my truth is how my fear, how much fear I have around what other people's reactions to me speaking my truth will be. And so I had to, you know, suck it up because this is something that I needed to do. And I didn't even realize how much I needed to do it for myself because um, in the moment it felt like it was for her. And it was for both of us because never in my life have I held a man accountable for his actions. Not when I was raped, not when I, you know, was in situations with men who were inappropriate when they were in relationships and in partnerships, um, not when they talked shit on women, like never once in my life, 34 years, never held a man accountable. And there's another story that I could tell, which is super intense and powerful. And we can go into it in a minute. If it feels right, it feels right. <laughs> Shit. Shit. Uh, oh my God. Okay. Well, we'll go into that in a second. Anyways, I ended up, um, I had tried to write her this letter, uh, this woman many times in the five days between when I considered talking to her and when I actually did. And, and every time I sat down to, to write it out, I couldn't. And then the moment I had that inspiration of okay, it's time now. It just flowed. It just flowed out and it came from a place of apology and um, total responsibility for where I came from because I did know about her. I didn't know what their relationship was, but I did know I could have reached out sooner. Um, and an apology for what happened and um yeah and it, I felt like it really carried all of the messages that I intended it to carry of like you know I'm not doing this because I'm upset with him I'm not doing this because of any other reason that I feel like you deserve to know that this is what's happening and that you deserve better than this and um yeah the the way that it was received uh initially was a little bit of a relief. I was upset to learn that I was right about it um, because there was definitely a part of me that was holding on to the fact that maybe I was wrong. Um, it seemed like she was very receptive. Inevitably, it led to a conversation which showed that, you know, she was still, she's still in the wounding. And, um, and I don't, <laughs> I don't blame her, you know, she, if I were in her shoes and this were what was happening to me, I would do anything that I could do to try and preserve what I had. Um, she's also considerably younger than me. So I feel like that plays a part in it too. And um, yeah, it was, but at the end of the day was like I said, like you said, how that was received, whatever happened like is not my responsibility. It was traumatizing for sure. Like, I feel like I have some PTSD over the conversation and what was said to me. And like, I'm having, I have flashbacks of it and um, what I wish I would have said, what I wish I would have done differently. 
but at the end of the day, I am so happy that I made that decision because even with the feelings that I'm having around the situation, the healing that needs to take place for having gone through that experience, I can look myself in the mirror and feel the difference between who I was before this experience and who I am after. And there's this, this quiet, powerful confidence in knowing that I can survive it. I can hold people accountable. I can speak up for my sisters. I can receive the worst of backlashes and still be here and, and proud of myself. And <laughs> it reminds me of that quote. And it was just like an Instagram quote or something. It says like, fear the woman who looks into the fire and smiles because she's, you know, she's seen some things and that's kind of how I feel now. It's like, bring it, bring, bring your best because like at this point, I like everybody, everyone's being held accountable now. All women are being stood up for now. Nobody, like, I don't care if you don't even want my support, like you're getting it. Like I'm telling you (laughs) about what's happening. Anyway, so that's the story. And, um, it's not a fairy tale. It's not, there's no like beautiful, magical, happy ending, but there is the power and the strength and the, and the shift in me in breaking that pattern, breaking that cycle and, and doing my part, I think is what you called it in healing the sisterhood wound in my own small, small way. And it's not small. It's not Thank small. You. Like I had full tears just streaming down my face because um, like when, when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, because it is so important and because I, I feel so much healing. I wasn't even involved in that situation. And there's so much healing that I feel on such a deep cellular level because of your decision to do that. I love that. And this, it makes me really excited to be recording this podcast right now, but the, thank you for saying that because I love that just speaking the story can start to heal wounds that we have that we weren't even aware of. And so it, it is my hope in sharing it, yeah. not to be applauded or, you know, whatever, but it's so that other women can hear it and, and start to feel the healing in themselves too. Like that's the purpose of this for me. It wasn't just my own healing, but it's like, how can I use my voice? How can I share my truth so that other women can start to find that as well? And yeah, I mean, what just came through just now was, you know, I, I, I have a lot of fear about some of the things I've said today because I'm afraid that women won't trust me. And the, the, the hope that I have and the feeling that I'm, I'm clinging to is because I'm being so honest about what I've done, that makes me more trustworthy now than I would have been before. Yeah. I mean, well, I trust you and I love you. Um, I love you. But, you know, I, um, I have the same fear in recording this podcast with you and saying the things that I've said and the things that I will still say, right? 
um, and, you know, wondering if, you know, somebody is hearing, you know, heard me say that I've, you know, been inappropriate with friends, boyfriends, and I've been, you know, all of those things, right? Like, and there's no, you know, I've done worse you've, than you've done. No, like, it is the same thing. It is the, the same wounds. It is, it is a lack of integrity with ourselves, and it is a lack of integrity with each other, and we need each other. We've always needed each other. You know, and now it's time, and it feels like now it's time. Yeah, we've always needed it, and now it's time to step up. Yeah, because our our survival, quote unquote, doesn't depend on it anymore. You and I aren't fighting in some small village for eligible men to make sure that we eat, right? Like th this yeah. doesn't have to be this way anymore. And you know, again, like I I hear you because there is this part of me that's like, oh, like. I'm going to feel anxious when I post this podcast because I have friends with husbands and boyfriends and what if they choose not to trust me? And I can say that this is not, you know, who I am now. I, I, I choose to live in integrity and people love, love, love to take things that you have done and define you by them. And the thing is, I know a lot of my friends have these same experiences, whether it's been done to them or they've done it to other women, or they've just had these, you know, they've, they've made these, these same decisions and they may never talk about it because they're not ready to. And, or, or maybe this podcast episode will help my friends that have heard this, you know, um, and your friends and, and just any other women that listen to this, like maybe this will inspire at least some reflection or some conversation or amends like, like we have, right? And so, um, you know, I, I know for me, because of course I'm going to bring up the witch. <laughs> um, bring her up. Bring yeah. her up. Woo! Bring her out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the reason why the the archetype of the witch is so unbelievably potent and powerful for me is not only just because of like the history of of the sisterhood wound, um, but also because that is one of the first things that we labeled women and we labeled each other to disconnect, right? So instead of like, oh, I'm not like that girl. I'm not crazy. I'm not dramatic. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not like other girls. I'm not like other girls. Well, back then it was, she's a witch. Over, You know what I mean? We went from high priestess to witch, mm -hmm. which in my mind are equals. Same, same, same. But as far as the archetypes go. Yeah. Because that was, you know, that was how we started. That's how it started. We went from high fucking priestesses with so much power, so much authority, so much respect to like a swamp witch. To, well, yeah, <laughs> let's, we, we can get into a very long conversation about who and what systems that serves, but. Sure. Uh, but, but I think that's the, yeah, the point is like that it was used to yeah, start to demean women, start to demean women with power mm -hmm. and, and, and start to pin women against each other so that it was now a product of, you know, who's better than who. And I mean, it was know, a sure way I'm not that woman. 
yeah, it was a sure way to like cut out the competition. Yeah. And we can also get into a long conversation around like, you know, belief systems and different things and, you know, all of that. But like at the end of the day, like this is also what it's connected to and also the result of it. And so for me, um, personally, this year has also been about reclaiming that word from what it has become. And there are so many belief systems that think that, you know, that that don't really know what it means to be a witch or what witchcraft really looks like, right? They have a very specific idea taught to them about what it looks like. Um, and that's okay. Like, I don't, I don't feel the need to like convince or change anybody's belief systems, but I will speak mine and I will challenge my own through my platforms. <laughs> um, we're dancing again. <laughs> um, but with that said, I've, this year I have felt such a deep, deep call to connect to my ancestral roots when it comes to this word, because to me, the witch is the wise, intuitive teacher, healer channel. It's, it's, it's woman. It's, it's a, a woman is, is so wise and so observant and so, like I'm I'm like it, to me like I love I love taking words and like you know from like the first letter of the word like oh yeah yeah what are those called like not acronyms is that it is called no. whatever I don't think it's an I think an acronym is a shortening I don't remember what those are called well clearly I didn't major in English but <laughs> um but yeah you know like to me it's like the maternal and just like, I don't, it just, to me, it's so, it's such a beautiful like archetype. And so part of me reclaiming this word is not just because of like my spiritual practices and because I like Hocus Pocus and Harry Potter, it's because of like what it represents in our history, because my ancestors were killed you know, they were labeled this word and then they were persecuted. Mm -hmm. And so were, so were a lot of other peoples, right? Like, and, and I think that this is, this is a part of history that we, I mean, we love to leave important parts of history out of history books, right? Um, this is a very important thing to me to, to look at. Um, and so for me, it's been like in this process of reclaiming myself, my sovereignty, taking full responsibility for myself, the light and the dark, being fully transparent about all of it. Yeah, there's also been this, this um, process of reclaiming that word and reclaiming what it means to me. And, and because this is like, I feel like it's cheesy, but it's also powerful. So like, I feel like some people are going to be like, yes. And some people are going to be like, okay, cool story. <laughs> but like, <laughs> um, but for me, like reclaiming that word, like I'm doing it for all the women who weren't able to, I'm doing it for all the women who weren't allowed to embody what they wanted to embody and practice what they wanted to practice. They couldn't be themselves. They were, um, cast out they were persecuted they were um tortured and and given the ultimatum to convert or to die 
and you know these are not things this idea of like people thinking that this happened for a short amount of time in you know in New England <laughs> you know Salem witchcraft trials like it was happening long long before then throughout Europe and it still happens in parts of the world and it still happens now like wherever we are you know like go into certain Facebook groups and talk about your spiritual beliefs, go market your intuitive abilities in your business. And there's some, there's, there's going to be some women in there that have something to say. Honestly, the, the one and only time I've ever put anything out about doing readings, the only person that came back was a woman asking why my prices were so expensive. <laughs> because <I'm> powerful. <laughs> <clears throat> And it was a good, it was a good experience to be able to come back with like love and, um, education, you know, here's why. And that might not be for everybody and that's okay. And she was like, oh, wow. Like, thank you for, thank you for receiving it. And thank you for explaining it to me. Um, but I literally, what you were just saying brought tears to my eyes, <clears throat> excuse me, um, because I felt that so deeply. And also when you were saying like, reclaiming it for all of the women in the past who couldn't, I feel like there are, in my head, it was like, you know, because we can stand up and we can say these things now and we don't have to worry about being killed. And then I think about the country that we're living in right now. <clears throat> and I'm like, well, actually, maybe me and you wouldn't be because we're white women of privilege. Yeah. So. We're, we're probably speaking it up for, you know, really other people that can't say that out loud right now in this time and space. And that hit me like yeah. square in the eyes, yeah. square between the eyes. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, and I think you're right. Like, regardless, like, it's a privilege to say it now for a, a lot of different reasons. It's a privilege that our ancestors didn't have. It's a privilege that a lot of people in this world don't have now. Um, and, and it's just important. You know, it's, it's something that I think is, yeah, that one, that one's a big one. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, <laughs> I don't think I, we realized what we were getting ourselves into. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people that are listening are like, okay, like these ladies don't go light on the topics, do they? Never, ever, ever, ever. But I, I'm, I'm like sitting here trying to just absorb all of this because I knew that this experience that I had was huge. And I knew that the conversations we were having around it were important. And I knew that this was a necessary conversation to have out loud for other people, but I didn't realize, I didn't fully realize the implications of all of this. Um, not to this extent, at least not consciously. Yeah. 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 We, because you and I have like very, very unfiltered conversations. Like we go into the depths of, you know, whatever it is that's true, regardless of whether it's pretty or it's cool. like we're just like here it is like lay it out on the table um but I truly I truly believe that 
that is important. Like how, how else do we really pull these things out at the roots? You know what I mean? Like dancing around it um, is not the way to go. You know, it's, we, we're not going to create changes by, by staying, on staying in our comfort zone, staying in our comfort zones or staying on the surface of, of these topics. Um, you know, and for some people, they may listen to this and be like, yeah, like I see your point. And like, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not work that's going to call to them right this second, you know, other women I know for sure are going to listen to this episode and, um, and it's going to hit them the way that this conversation hits us because I'm, I am having these conversations with clients. I am having conversations like this with, with friends. I am, you know, my best friend, I've been best friends with the same, uh, person for 22 years now. And, um, and we talk a lot about, what this has looked like for us in our friendship, the way that it's looked like, um, you know, the, in even how it's differed in our relationship compared to like relationships that we have with other women. Um, because in some cases, for some reason, our relationship has always stayed pretty, pretty safe. But I've even told her, you know, oh, you know, growing up, I used to compare myself. We've been friends since we were seven. We went through puberty and all the weird stages. Now we're 30 year old women and she's got two kids. And, you know, if like, I've always compared myself to her in some way and not from a place of like, oh, like, you know, you don't deserve to be beautiful. Like, you know, but just in a, like, you know, we get out, we get ready to go out and, you know, um, having those moments of like, oh, I feel really cute. And then like, she shows up and I'm like, oh, do I look cute? Like, does she look better? You know, like just, and I think that that's a normal whatever. Right. But like, and it's never been because I don't want to celebrate her, you know, but still like the, the, the competition, you know, and, and for this friendship specifically, um, I'm so grateful for it because I feel like it's been something that I've been able to, uh, almost look at as like an example of how I want to show up in other relationships and haven't been able to show up in really other relationships clearly, like based on, you know, the, the, the premise of this whole conversation of, of, you know, I, I, I've, I haven't contributed to the sisterhood wound with her, right. Like in the way that I have with other people, competition, maybe comparison, maybe, but not, um, not betrayal, you know, and so it's been interesting to also have this and, and heard the same thing. We've talked about how um, I feel like there's been such a divine connection that we've had. And I feel like it helped me kind of always have this, whether or not I, I saw this and made better decisions or not, because clearly I, I didn't, but like always been able to be like, wow, like this is, you know, not perfect because no relationship at all, you know, no relationship is going to be perfect. But what is it about this dynamic that I show up uh, in much more integrity, you know, especially growing up, especially going through things like addiction and um, a lot of trauma, have sexual trauma, like that spins into a lot of more codependency and more addiction and, and really just tailspins me into a, a really dark part of myself and a really dark many chapters of my of my <laughs> I was gonna say one chapter but there was like a lot of really <laughs> chapters and like I can I can fully say like the people who are in my life now I'm not someone who you would have wanted to have in your life at that point I am not 
I am not, I was not a mentor. I was not an, uh, any kind of example. I was not, um, I was not a, I was a very toxic person at one point. Same, absolutely the same. I wouldn't, I, I didn't want to be friends with myself. Like who would want to be friends with me at that point? And, and I, during that time lost a lot of friends um, because of that and many different stages, but yeah, I have, a, a, I have a best friend similar to yours that we've been friends for almost 20 years. And um, unfortunately we don't have the same relationship as you guys do as like that, like um, compass, that like true North compass of like how I want to show up all the time in, in relationship and friendship because um, I kissed her boyfriend in high school and she was my best friend. And um, that was one of the first times I ever had to have a difficult conversation and take responsibility for it. And I think the first conversation, I didn't actually take responsibility for it. Um, but we were able to, we were able to continue our friendship. And one of the things that I started doing like earlier this year is um, writing, write, I say writing a book, I, whether it's a book that's ever going to be published, I have no idea and it doesn't even matter. But I started writing stories about my experiences with men and in relationships, because when I tell these stories, they literally sound like soap operas. And I wanted to do that because I wanted to see my patterns. I wanted to understand where I was coming from and how I was um, showing up. And so it brought up this experience with her boyfriend in high school. And it gave us the chance to sit down again years and years later and go over like what happened, what was her side of it? What was my side of it? How do we remember it? And um, like how far we've come from that place. And yeah, I'm so grateful. It's, it, it makes a big difference having that, that one person that's seen you through all of those stages and still loves and accepts you. It's a different kind of, it's a different kind of friendship for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my best friend also has, uh, again, outside of our relationship has a lot of her own things to look at in regards to, um, integrity and, and different things, you know, and, um, maybe one day I'll get her on the podcast to, to talk about things, but, um, but, you know, so it's not like she ever really was, you know, saying like, oh, you know, I haven't contributed to this, you know, it was just like what we were, how we were contributing to it and what we were doing just seemed to, uh, not penetrate the bubble of mm -hmm. our friendship. Um, again, there's, you know, the competition, the comparison, especially through like, being in younger years, but, um, outside of that, um, you know, is where we were engaging in these things and doing these things. And so, you know, we have similar to our dynamic that you and I have, like we have her and I have the ability to sit down and kind of put everything on the table and, and, you know, we're like cringing and being like, yeah, like th these are things that I've done. These are things that I've said, these are things. And what we can have these like you know, extremely honest conversations, um, because we want to be better and we want to do better and we want to, you know, it, it's, we want to make an amends. And even if that doesn't mean, you know, sending a message to someone, you know, directly, 
Um, you can make amends in other ways by choosing to be honest about the things that, you know, and, and, and sometimes it doesn't mean having a conversation with somebody. It means just having that honest conversation with yourself, whether that's journaling, whether that's, you know, sending like uh, voice notes, right? Like where you record yourself being fully honest so that you can hear yourself say it backwards so that you can have those moments of like, oh, fuck, that is my truth. And because that's my truth and that's something that when I hear, I, I, I cringe or because it's something that I, you know, again, I want to do better, <laughs> um, you know, then, then you have the choice. You always have the choice to change, like, and change happens when you decide that it changes. It happens, you know, when, you, when, and I feel like a lot of times, once you have that, like, crazy, 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 honest conversation with yourself, where it's just, like, absolutely unfiltered, it's almost hard to go back to what was before, right? Cause you can pretend that you're, that you don't fully know and you can, you can stay in that kind of like ignorance or, you know, unconsciousness. But once you fully have that conversation and it's like out there, like it's no longer just like hidden, tucked away somewhere in your internal world, you know, it's like this box that's in some closet in, in, in your <laughs> internal world, you know? Um, once that's out there, you're like, oh, okay. Like there's, yeah, it's just hard to go back to, it doesn't mean that you're going to just be perfect moving forward, but it, it brings it up to consciousness in a way that makes it really challenging to continue engaging in behaviors and pretend like you don't know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Absolutely. And it makes those decisions so much harder too. So it's not like you can then go back and like pretend like you don't know exactly what you're doing. And, and like you said, or implied a second ago, like these are conscious decisions and choices that we make on a regular basis every single day to be better, to make different choices, to, you know, speak our truth, whether it be to ourselves or somebody else. And checking ourselves and how we're showing up for ourselves and for the collective. Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah. And it's a practice. I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes, sometimes we can get very, very stuck in black and white thinking of, you know, of all or nothing, perfect or not perfect. Exactly. Yeah. The way that it quote unquote has to look or should look. And the thing is change, especially when it's when you're reprogramming yourself, um, because again, this isn't just a, an us and our lifetime patterns. This is generational. There's so many different factors in it. So with that needs to come patience and self-compassion and understanding that it is going, there is going to be a process of, of it. And there, and the process and practice, uh, requires, us to slow down and be really, really intentional and to really, um, you know, something that came through in the reading that you and I did last night when I was um, doing your, like your chakra system of, of being really present on each river rock, right? Like I got this mm -hmm. vision, like crossing this river and like trying to skip ahead. And it's like, you really have to be present and get rooted and grounded and find your footing on each river rock. Um, and I think that that's true for any process that requires like steps and there's layers to it and, and all of that stuff. So, um, I think of if 
anything, you know, really lands with someone in regards to this, it's, it's be patient with yourself or hopefully it's, it's be patient with yourself and, and give yourself the opportunity to, um, let this be a process and let it unfold the way that it needs to unfold and the way that it, it will unfold because pushing through it just can ultimately, it's like pulling like, a a rubber band back and like, you know, like snapping it, you know, if we push ourselves too hard and then we find ourselves in a really triggering situation, it can, you know, we can kind of get sent back into almost not square one, but at least close to it where, you know, that's where quote unquote relapses happen, where we get really overwhelmed and we're like, well, like here I am again. And yeah, like I did all this work and here I am again. So what's the fucking point? Exactly. And I think too, um, yeah, I, if I wanted anybody to take anything away from this, it's just like permission to choose to be better, no matter what you, you're worried about the opinions of other people or that people won't understand or that you, you've been confined to a box, whether by yourself or somebody else, like I'm giving you permission right now. Like that doesn't have to be your truth anymore. Yeah. If you don't want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. I love the permission slips. It's Sometimes we need that. I've had, I've had other mentors and healers tell me that it makes a big difference because sometimes we just can't in the moment give ourselves permission because we don't know that it's okay. And so until we can get to that place, like sometimes it's so nice to have somebody else say, like, I'm telling you right now you can and, and that you deserve that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like the permission slip too, to just like the permission to be a human in all the complexity and all the complications and in all of it, like being, being a human is really, really messy and you're not defined by your decision. Mm. You're not defined by any of your decisions. You're defined based on like what you want to do about them, right? Like we all mess up. <laughs> we yeah. all have things that we're not proud of. We all have, you know, again, we all have our own mess and, and then we also have a collective mess. And so it's getting radically honest with ourselves so that we can be radically honest with each other. We're fourth and fifth stepping you right now. And you didn't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like we could go on and on and on but we'll stop here. There's probably going to be a part two and a part three and a part four. And like, we'll just keep going. forever until the end of time yeah, to, infinity, <laughs> to infinity and beyond. But um, yes. I love you very, very much. Thank you for having this conversation with me. I hope that, I hope that other women um, benefit from this conversation as much as, as we have. But I know for me, like even just sitting here and having this conversation again, but in like in depth and going down different avenues has been extremely healing for me. So I truly honor you and the, and the work that you're doing. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful to be on this path with you of breaking, breaking the patterns and having these cringeworthy conversations. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. I love all of this, everything. I love you. Thank you for having me on here and letting me share my story and letting me have all these amazing epiphanies that I've had so far because I'm going to have to listen to this like multiple times because there's just so much goodness that was ah, brought forward and I can't get enough of it. But I appreciate you so much in all of the different capacities and I'm so grateful for this friendship and you. So I look forward to all of the different parts that come from here. Yeah. (laughs) 
I love you. And here's going to be our awkward sign off. This is our awkward sign off. Okay. Okay, guys. Thanks for coming. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>